This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, you're listening to The Morning Run on BFM 89.9, the business station. It's now 9.35 a.m. and time for the SNM show. This is, of course, the show where we rant about what's working in markets and what's not. I'm Melissa Idris. I've got Julian Ng and Ibrahim Sani here with me. And this week, we look at two billionaire investors with two very different strategies, George Soros and Warren Buffett. So they've uh, recently made some changes to their portfolio, um, and this is because, and we know this because um, in the US, um, uh, I think fund managers have to file a Form 13F within the first 45 days of each quarter, and uh, that's how we know what they've, what changes they've made to their portfolio, mm-hmm. right? Jess? And this actually applies to fund managers who have about hundred million dollars, who have more than hundred million dollars in uh, their portfolio, and that's nothing, right? Because yeah. most fund managers. Uh, man- manager management go into the billion. So the moment you have a uh, hundred million, uh, you have to declare uh, what your holdings are. And I think um, I don't know if such a law is applicable in Malaysia. What to to disclose your holdings after? For yeah, your, uh, if they have a certain threshold, more than for 100. for fund managers, right? Yeah. Because we actually want to know what fund managers are doing. They usually are not um, made defined as major shareholder, which is uh, more than five percent ownership of a company. So even though you buy one share or two shares, uh, if you have more than a certain uh, number of AUM, uh. then you have to declare what you're so doing. So do you think like if you have to declare, it would be almost like sharing your trade secrets, your prop intellectual property secrets, right? So now everyone knows what Warren Buffett has sold and what he's bought into and what George Soros has done. And, you know, I mean, those who are yeah. copying his in their investment strategy could then make I the think same moves. that's why they have a lead time, right? Because uh, put it this way, nothing is secret in this world anymore, not in the age of information. That's why the 45 days per quarter, that means you can buy something very early. Uh, you can have even have a longer uh, time lag if you buy something very late in the quarter and then it crosses over to the f- first 45 days. So, so you don't have to declare it on a day off. On the yeah, day off. Okay, so, some, so some the extra two or three time. months lead time would, would create that cushion. Okay, so let's take a look at uh, George Soros first and what he's done with his money. So uh, Soros Fund Management is the family office for George Soros, who is 85 years old, I might add. Okay, so uh, George Soros has slashed his overall long equity holdings um, by 25 by over 25 percent to just four and a half billion dollars this is the lowest such position since 2013 yeah actually he he slashed it uh, to 37 by 37 percent according to some reports uh, to I think 25 percent so this is very low and what he has done he has bought into uh, he has done two things he one his he bought into more gold and gold stocks in fact he bought uh, one one million shares in uh, the SPDR Gold Trust, which is an ETF that trades and attracts the price of gold. Uh, spider, right? spider, spider, right? Gold. It's called the Spider Gold Trust. It actually holds actual gold in its vault. Um, and the other one is a kind of a double down move because firstly he sold stocks. The second move that he made on stocks is that he made an enormous bet that the uh, S&P, S&P 500, which is the main uh, US index for tracking 500 of the largest uh, stocks in, Ma- in America, yeah. he wrote what are called puts. Basically, it's like shorting the S&P 500. So he not only sold stocks, but he wrote shorts on the market as well. Okay, so he's clearly thinking equities is going to crash and put all your money in gold, right? So what can we read from this? I mean, is this a very 
I don't know, an extreme point of view to take? What's, what is in his mind that he thinks is going to crash the US stock market? I think because the problem with gold in the first place is that, uh, number one, uh, no one can give with certainty the reason why gold prices go up and down other than the fact that perhaps people use it as an arbitrage or hedge currency, get it? Um, and this is why fund managers, billionaires like Warren Buffett and all, they stay away from gold. And for George Soros to actually go into gold, I think if I want to make a guess, it's because he is uh, losing faith in the existing uh, market and he's he's going for the hedging aspect of gold. Can I just add that gold prices have gone up 20% this year? This year. It's been yeah. on the decline while for three not, straight years. While you were not looking, exactly. while you were busy monitoring Monitoring all prices <laughs> and, and listening to uh, J- uh, what Janet Yellen <laughs> yeah, and FBM KLCI, you know, gold has crept up twenty yeah. percent. So it says something. And uh, actually, when you talk about gold, you got to translate into a currency, right? With like with all commodities, mm-hmm. and gold has cr- uh, gone up twenty percent because uh, the US dollar has kind of weakened uh, this year as well. So it, it's a trade off with the US dollar, and and that's the thing for uh, investors like George Soros. Um, gold is a bet against the monetary systems of the world he thinks that uh, the negative interest rate um, policies around the world are crazy right uh, and among other things he also he's uh, <clears throat> uh, very respected George Soros yeah. is for his macro views yeah and to me he unlike Warren Buffett uh, George Soros is still comfortable in dealing with uh, currencies uh, we all know the, that he broke the pound in 92 um, he was also directly involved in the uh, 97 ringgit uh, crisis no he wasn't uh, <laughs> yeah yeah so this is very Right. It says. <laughs> uh, all right. So, uh, but gold, gold is something that can be tied or can be seen as uh, a currency as well, and I think that's not too far from his investment uh, philosophy. Okay. So, whatever your opinions on George Soros, and it is very divisive, right? So, whatever your opinions about the man, you can't deny his portfolio has performed. So, everyone looks at him as a billionaire investor, watches his every move. But if you look at what he said, he's been saying recently. Do we want to shrug off his warnings as that of a rambling old man or do we want to pay heed? He talks about China being on the brink. Uh, right now, China is at risk of um, collapse. It is apparently just like the US was in 2007, 2008. And he thinks that a hard landing in China is unavoidable because that slump, he says, will drag down stocks and bonds as well. And that's perhaps the reason why he's so pessimistic about the S&P 500. That's right. Um, a lot of investors, when they were asked about um, George Soros's movements in his portfolio, uh, say that uh, George Soros is going risk off, right? Taking risk off the table and going into safer investments like gold. And not only that, uh, actually the risk off argument uh, is not really true because he's taking a very big risk by shorting the U.S. market. So uh, on the one hand, he 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 is going for this uh, scenario where it's almost apocalypse-like, right? This major crash in market, like what we see in, in 2008. He puts his money into gold, and then he takes advantage of that by by shorting the market. So you know, this is like the big short. You know, when when um, what was that? Brad Pitt's character was righteously saying don't celebrate too much because you're talking about the economy collapsing you yeah, know? yeah 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 so this is this is like that right so he's shorting on the fact that he's thinking the u.s equity markets will collapse yeah so you see this is the thing about george soros he has a premonition that things will happen so if he likens china's troubles uh to that of the subprime crisis we have to take heed and i think this view is being shared by his prodigy stanley uh, druckenmiller and stanley druckenmiller has made a name for himself now uh, on his own two feet but when he was with soros uh 
he was of course the lead portfolio manager at Soros' hedge fund when they took on the Bank of England back in the day. Um, he has also agreed with this because uh, he says that the Chinese uh, uh, economy right now is in the midst of an extremely rare and quite dangerous explosion of debt. And I think no one can can rebut this, you know, uh, comprehensively because it is uh, facing that. I don't know whether it is as dire as all these guys are wanting. And, you know, you have to wonder whether George Soros surrounds himself with like-minded people. So you think the world is going to end. You surround yourself with other people who think the world is going to end, right? And I think everybody in the United States States, uh, think in a similar way. Uh, So you kind of avoid that, uh, you know, very hawkish. China's China view, but uh, I read the Edge Weekly and they they uh, carried this roundtable uh, with Mark Mobius and Gang, and they don't seem to think that China will go through a hard landing. So it really depends on where you are. <laughs> they are in this part of the world. They are invested into emerging markets, and Mark Mobius is saying, "Hey, no, China is a planned economy. That the the Chinese can plan their way out of a hard landing." Ooh. Yeah, and I think uh, the big question right now is whether or not Soros is actually running for the hills. And Trying to you know make make closes on his uh, investments, okay. and that's a core question right well, now. Well, let's take a look at what he still has investments in. So he's got about eighty million dollars a piece in eBay um, and Zotis, as well as he purchased new stakes in Apple, Yahoo, Gap, uh, also United uh, Continental. He's clearly not scared of tech companies. Yeah, he, he clearly wants uh, tech companies, and he is making buys into Apple and Yahoo like this other investor that we know. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So we're going to tell you more about that in just a few minutes. Stay with the SM show right here on BFM 89.9. Good morning, it's now 9.46am on Wednesday the 18th of May. Every Wednesday we have the SNM Show. I'm Melissa Idris with Julian Ng and Ibrahim Sani and we were talking about two very different uh, billionaire investors and the changes they've made recently to their portfolio. So George Soros recently um, sold out of stocks. He slashed his holdings on stocks and bought lots of gold, lots and lots of gold. Um, And he's um, made some comments about his predictions on China's economy. But let's take a look at Warren Buffett. Uh, Warren Buffett, recently we discussed Julian and Ibrahim in the uh, Morning Run discussions how they've bought uh, into Apple. So Berkshire has purchased about 10 million shares of Apple, valued at just over $1 billion. And also uh, Warren Buffett throwing his mighty financial weight behind the bid for Yahoo. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and the first comment that you would make about this is that it's not very moat-like, right? Yeah. Uh, is Apple a moat? Is Yahoo a moat? Yeah, I think uh, uh, he's moving away from the moat. But uh, as a, I'll make the same argument here, where I, the same argument I made uh, earlier in the week. Maybe these tech companies are slowing down their growths, and maybe they are becoming something like Coca-Cola. Where right? They're becoming Stable. boring. That's why Warren Buffett. You're <laughs> yeah. saying that they're becoming boring, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's why Warren Buffett is buying into yeah. them. No, no. I think I think now that I've had Have a you couple seen of the days, latest iPhone. Okay, so now that I've I actually love it. I think it looks great. But okay, I'm not an Apple apologist. Okay, I'm not. Let me just st- state that clear. But now that I've had some time to think about it, when I first heard the news about Yahoo, I was gobsmacked because I was like, this this man, what is he doing? He's going against what he's been saying all along um, with tech companies. And then I heard about Apple and even more confused. But now that I've had some time to think about it, perhaps the definition of moat business has changed for Berkshire Hathaway, right? What 
you know, if you think about um, what he said in a 1996 letter to shareholders, a fast-changing industry environment may offer the chance for huge wins, but it precludes the certainty that we seek here at Berkshire. Now, if you think about the tech sector, it's always ripe for disruption. It's always ever-changing. But now, it's no longer, I would say, uh, a luxury. So, if you think about it, how many people do you know that don't own a smartphone or mm-hmm. a, a, a handphone for that for that fact, who don't own a personal computer? It's gone away from being a, an uncertain tech field to a consumer staple, which yeah. is what Berkshire so, Hathaway is all about. Yeah, so it's not, it's not really the case that uh, the mode definition has changed. Is the fact that the tech sector itself has changed. Uh, a bigger part of the tech sector has now uh, become predictable. Yeah. Uh, things like Apple right now, um, that is mainstay, right, for a lot of people. They have to get uh, Apple version uh, 17.2 all, all the time. Every time it's <laughs> upgrade, upgraded, uh, that, that is uh, what is almost close to a certain economy. Yeah. People will buy into them and then it's become more predictable. Yeah, I, I think I do agree with that. I think that... Um, you know, companies like Apple has changed. I can understand his purchase of Apple, but I don't know about Yahoo. Can you make sense of Yahoo? Is yeah. Yahoo still kind of a, a bit confusing for you? I think I can because Yahoo still has a large stake in Alibaba and Alibaba is very cash-centric. Just like Apple, Apple sitting on a mountain of cash. Yahoo is sitting on a mountain of cash, but uh, in proxy uh, towards the Alibaba stake. So I guess there's some st- uh, cash value in both of them. And um, Warren Buffett, of course, is a guy who likes a lot of cash. Uh, That's another reason, though, Sue Decker. She was an uh, ex-CFO for Yahoo, and she's just joined uh, Berkshire as a board of director. And who knows, uh, she might have whispered a few years, a few words into Warren Buffett's ears, uh, saying that, hey, you know, there might be some value Value in Yahoo. Value here. Okay, okay. So we got some uh, SMSs coming in. Uh, One of of our listeners uh, saying, uh, Soros predicts uh, mega crashes every year or so. uh, And he adds on, or could be a she actually, uh, adds on, uh, Buffett predicts the stock market crashes even ever more so often. So I guess... Is there is there the truth in this? You kind of know, statements? even a broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think Warren Buffett is very long term in his investment horizon. He's like he's the bank, you know. He's he's the casino. You go there, whether the market is up or down, he wins, right? Because he can. He has such great holding powers that um, his holdings transcend economics and booms and busts and cycles. So he holds them throughout. Okay, so. You know, Carl Icahn has been dumping Apple shares recently, right? Apple shares has tumbled almost 30% in the past year already. I mean, who do we, who do we believe? Do we believe Warren Buffett or do we believe Carl Icahn? Um, I would say Warren Buffett. I, because I, of the time frame. Because yeah. Warren Buffett is a long-term holder, whereas Carl Icahn is looking yeah. for short-term he's, he's yeah. got He's got the money to hold on. Uh, and there is this very interesting article uh, from CNBC about why uh, Apple might be closer to a classic mode stock mm. than many of us believe. Uh, because firstly, as we mentioned earlier, um, earnings have become a lot more predictable. Uh, and today, Apple is no longer an upstart. Uh, so, you know, it, it has fallen into that category where uh, it fulfills something that Warren Buffett likes. So what does Warren Buffett like? He likes a solid balance sheet. He likes excellent free cash generation. He likes persistent growth and cheap shares. 
Um, maybe Apple doesn't fit that last category of cheap shares, but everything else, it's a it's a good solid tick ma- check mark, you know, on all these. So I guess this is Apple. Apple has fallen quite a bit this year, so uh, that might fulfill that, that, uh, that category angle. as well. Yeah, yeah, I see. So if this is the case, then Apple does actually fit the uh, Buffett Berkshire model according to this article, and. Whether or not it's in the tech business or in, you know, F&B, whatever, right? As long as it's consumer-driven, as long as it's very safe and stable business, why not? I also found quite interesting just looking at the breakdown of the other um, shifts in his holdings. So Berkshire um, bought... 60, uh, sorry, Philips 66, uh, which is an oil refiner, he ra- they raised their stake there by 23%. Uh, prescient, also, very prescient move. Yeah, I know. And also, they sold out of AT&T, a telco, and they sold 99.4% of their stake in Procter & Gamble, which is a traditional you know, consumer company that you would have thought um, Berkshire would love. I think this is really very telling because uh, the key takeaway from this would be that it doesn't matter if it's a tech company or an old economy stock like Procter & Gamble. The reasons to buy and sell into stock is that uh, you want to have uh, a good pricing, good valuation with a stable business. And I, I guess uh, Apple uh, and possibly even Yahoo uh, may be right now a lot more attractive than what it used to be for Warren Buffett to make a long-term bet on these stocks. But, you know, um, at the end of the day, there are some facts that are completely out of even the best investors' control, right? So even the Warren Buffetts and the George Soros's of the world, that it's also known as the calendar effect. Yeah. And we're in an election year, and yeah. that has, of course, a role to play with how markets can roil. That's right. So the election cycle is well underway in the US. Uh, in the US, yes. I should add. Yes, in the US. Uh, ours, we'll, we'll take our time. <laughs> I will get there uh, in Malaysia. But in the US, uh, there is an election effect, um, and a lot of arguments are coming across where policy proposals can change depending on the presidential candidate. Uh, and you can see some, uh, uh, perhaps, a, a, a hint of what these presidential candidates will do, and this could fuel some sort of uncertainty, and this could direct in a different tangent to how businesses weigh themselves and how consumers and financial markets would react. So because of this, the Pazan conflict right now, uh, it's, 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 a, it's an index that can track the degree of political disagreement among US politicians uh, and they say that right now there is a greater conflict than let's say a decade ago or two decades ago and because of this I think uh, these billionaires making bets on uh, new businesses something that they're, 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 they're not comfortable with or something that they haven't made before I, I don't think react, I don't think it affects them I, I don't think they give two hoots about uh, these cal- calendar effects because they, they are making bets uh, you know for, for a person like George Soros he's, a head, he's effectively a hedge fund manager uh, he makes decisions uh, very short term decisions not necessarily even annual decisions like quarterly decisions six monthly decisions and for Warren Buffett again he transcends these uh, calendar effects but these are for people who like to speculate in the market mm. right? Uh, gamblers uh, treating market like a casino uh, and this will be relevant for them because uh, they have the benefit of people who have sat down to crunch the numbers yeah. and uh, they found out that uh, there are two kinds of elections in the US one is re-election like what Obama did in his second uh-huh. term for his second term in uh, those, those are called re-election years and during those years the markets are more likely to go 
up than down. So okay. you can take advantage of those years. But in the open election years, like what we are seeing right now, uh, where the incumbent like Obama is no longer going to um, uh, run for election, then markets are more volatile. You know, one thing about election cycle is that industries like media and advertising will definitely stand to gain. In fact, one of our SMS uh, coming in, our listener is saying that Yahoo is more about media and advertising uh, and Buffett owns these type of industries. Perhaps this is one of the core reasons why Buffett wants to enter Yahoo because of that proxy of media advertising. So that mm. could be it. Maybe, maybe. I still want to get more clarity on this Yahoo bid. Who knows, maybe Berkshire, uh, maybe Warren Buffett might even succeed. He might even go, you know, and own the Yahoo internet business. Okay, so we've run out of time. It's 9.56 right now. I'm Melissa Idris with Julian Ng and Ibrahim Sani. And you've been listening to The SNM Show. We've got the 10 o'clock news coming up at the top of the hour. BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.